Welcome to the 1717 Podcast, a ministry of Roseville Baptist Church with Pastor Jackie Hill. There is no such thing as your truth and my truth. There is only truth and untruth. And Pastor Derek Ambrose. We have to stop searching for truth in our culture when God's already given us the answer. Jackie and Derek answer important questions with the truth of God's Word. In John 17, 17, Jesus prayed, Sanctify them in truth. Your word is truth. Here's your host, Derek Ambrosen. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 108 of the 1717 Podcast. I'm Pastor Derek Ambrosen, and I'm joined by Pastor Jackie Hill. Jackie, how are you doing today, man? I'm doing really good. In, in fact, I, I texted a group chat this morning. You were part of that. That somehow, and I don't know if it's a miracle. Or I don't know, but my foot feels so much better. I, you know, the one I had Achilles tendon surgery on, I sprained it sliding in the ice. Who go figure in Minnesota? You're gonna yep. gonna do that. I'd sprained my ankle and it bothered me for a couple of weeks, like bad. And even after even after playing basketball and jogging through it yesterday, I woke up this morning walking around. I'm like, my foot feels great. I, I have no idea what happened. Thank you, Jesus. It feels great, and uh, I'm doing great, even better than I expected. So that's mm. that's all. It's all good, brother. How, how you doing? Yeah, you love that. No, I'm I'm doing well. Uh, good day. Just a little sore throat. So if I sound more nasally than normal, that's what I'm going to blame it on. But uh, <laughs> no, otherwise uh, things are good. Got a uh, fun wedding for for good friend Jordan coming up this weekend. Yep. So we got our bachelor party stuff and and doing some some fun stuff there. Some whirly ball and pickleball and. Nintendo, so it's going to be a good time. It's going to be a good time. I'm just officiating. I don't get to be a part of any of that stuff. Yeah, that's that's the downside <laughs> of being the head pastor, I guess, huh? Yeah. But no, that it, it should be a fun weekend. Um, So yeah, th- things are good. But Jackie, I, I want to get right into the episode because we, we have a lot today, I think. This is a, an episode I'm pretty yeah. excited about with some of the, the work we did on this. And today's episode is answering the question, what are the sins leading to death? Now, this was a question that is actually kind of a almost a two-parter in a sense from last week from uh, Pastor Paul. The question came in here at RBC, and he asked, what are the sins not leading to death in 1 John 5, 16 to 17, and how do they compare to the unpardonable sin in Mark three twenty eight? So we addressed the unpardonable or unforgivable sin last week. There will be a little bit of overlap this week, but more addressing that the first part of that question is what are these sins not leading to death or the sin that's talked about that leads to death? And so the verse that he's referencing reads this way in 1 John 5, 16 to 17. If you see any brother or sister commit a sin that does not lead to death, you should pray and God will give them life. I refer to those whose sin does not lead to death. There is a sin that leads to death. I'm not saying that you should pray about that. All wrongdoing is sin and there is sin that does not lead to death. Yeah, it's one of those. It's one of those passages that is. It, it sound. I mean, it's really confusing. Yeah, it's like what is th- what does this mean? But I, I do think um, we we've gone through this enough uh, in the, just the last week and talked about it and prayed through it and done lots of reading. I don't know how much reading you did, but I, I read a ton of commentaries. Mm-hmm. Uh, looked at a lot of Greek, um, so much so that I don't even know that I can read English anymore. <laughs> and uh, I, I think I, I know where I land on this, um, but. But I'm excited to get into it. Yeah. And normally we you know, just let the cat out of the bag a little bit. We normally have about three to four pages of notes. 
Mm -hmm. uh, for these and we have six in this one so this could be a little bit longer episode we'll see so i have to talk fast less commentary (laughs) see if you guys can keep up so in in one sense just to to start this all sin leads to spiritual death yes um because there's this this physical death is a spiritual death well we know that all sin leads to spiritual death so starting all the way back in genesis 2 16 to 17 it says the lord god commanded the man saying from any tree of the garden you may eat freely but from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat for in the day that you eat from it, you will surely die. Right. And then we see in Genesis 3, quickly, Adam and Eve do eat from that tree, hence they surely die. And they don't drop dead immediately, no, they physically, yep. right? But after years, and we, and we see sin enter the world, which mm-hmm. brings death. And then Romans five twelve just reiterates this in the New Testament, where it says, Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned. So we have that that right there from the get-go, all sin leads to spiritual death. Right. So we know John isn't talking about that. Um, you even see it even more clearly, I think, like in Romans 1, uh, 29 through 32, the Apostle Paul says, uh, talking of uh, uh, the generation of the people living in ungodliness, he says, uh, they have all unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice. They're full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness. Uh, they're full of uh, gossip, slander, they're haters of God, they're insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, foolish, fatherless, heartless, right? He goes through this whole big uh, list, and then in verse 32, he says, they know the righteous decree that those who practice such things deserve to die. So so sin brings about death, and we deserve to die. Uh, Romans six twenty three, the Apostle Paul, again, the wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. So even though we deserve to die and, and will die in our sins, ultimately, physically, um, we're born you know, sin, sin with a sin nature, we can't have life in Christ. And that's why like, Romans 8.13 is so important. It says, if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if you live according to the Spirit or, or you live by the Spirit, you put to death the deeds of the body and you will live. Mm-hmm. Ezekiel eighteen twenty to 23 says, The person who sins will die. The son will not bear the punishment for the father's iniquity, nor will the father bear the punishment for the son's iniquity. The righteousness of the righteous will be upon himself, and the wickedness of the wicked will be upon himself. But if the wicked man turns from all his sins which he has committed and observes all my statutes and practices justice and righteousness, he shall surely live, he shall not die. All his transgressions which he has committed will not be remembered against him because of his righteousness which he has practiced, he will live." Do I have any pleasure in the death of the wicked, declares the Lord God, rather than that he should turn away or turn from his ways and live. And so in there we see people aren't responsible for other people's sin, right? You're responsible for your own sin. And it's on that individual to turn from their sin. And God offers forgiveness, which we know to be now through Jesus Christ. Right. So like, what does John mean then? Because you know, he says, if you see a brother or sister, which means they're a Christian, by the way, uh, commit a sin that does not lead to death, you should pray that God would give them life. And goes on to say all wrongdoing is sin, but there's a sin that does not lead to death. Like, what does he mean by that if he's not talking about this sort of sin, you know, mm-hmm. and once it's all sin leading to death? So we, we have three options that we think this could fall under. And the, the first one, option one, is that there are sins that are punishable by death. And so we, we go back to Exodus 21, verse 12, where it says, he who strikes a man so that he dies shall surely be put to death, which kind of originates from Genesis 9, 6, where it says, whoever sheds man's blood, by man his blood shall be shed, for in the image of God he made man. So murder equals death for you. Exodus 21, 15 to 17, he who strikes his father or his mother shall surely be put to death. He who kidnaps a man, whether he sells him or is found in his possession, shall surely be put to death. He who curses his father or mother shall surely be put to death. 
Leviticus 20, verse 2, you, you shall also say to the sons of Israel, any man from the sons of Israel or from the aliens sojourning in Israel who gives any of his offspring to Molech, who we've talked about before, shall surely be put to death. The people of the land shall stone him with stones. So yeah. clearly these are examples in God's law of sins commit that literally will lead to being put to death by the people. It's interesting that cursing the father and mother is probably helpful. We don't have that exactly today. Otherwise, we, we may not be around anymore because of <laughs> so many children who oh, yeah. uh, seem to do that. I'd have got killed when I was probably like five or six. Yeah. Yep. Um, but yeah, so, so, so those are definitely some examples, you know, murder, uh, disobedience to parents in the Older Testament, um, kidnapping, enslaving people, mm-hmm. um, cursing parents, uh, and then sacrificing a mullet. And we equated that today, like, like abortion, mm-hmm. right? Um, sexual immorality was also punishable by death. So the sin of sexual immorality, and there's three examples I'll give you. So Leviticus 20, verse 10, it says, if there's a man who commits adultery with another man's wife, one who commits adultery with his friend's wife, the adulterer and the adulteress shall surely be put to death. So uh, adultery was a sin that was punishable by death. Uh, Leviticus 20, verse 13, it says, If a man lies with a male as one lies with a woman, both of them have committed a detestable act, and they shall surely be put to death. So this is the sin of homosexuality. Um, And so there it was saying that that was in the Older Testament, according to the law, it was punishable by a sin, punishable by death. Or in Exodus twenty two nineteen, 19, uh, it says, whoever lies with an animal shall surely be put to death. And this is uh, bestiality. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so this is sexual immorality punishable by death. And so even today, now we've, we've talked at length about verses like the passage in Romans 13 that talks all about government and, and the role of government, right? Yep. That's a minister of God to you for good um, and, and helping us be afraid of evil and, and right fighting back against that. And Punishing at the end that, yeah, yeah it, it says the government does not bear the sword for nothing, right? For it's a minister of God and avenger who brings wrath on the one who practices evil. Right. So even within that, I think, you know, different governments in the world obviously function different ways and decide, okay, what things can bring death, but God even ordains government for the, the purpose of bearing the sword, which is like execution for sin, which we we see here. And so in in some ways that could make a lot of sense for committing a sin that is punishable by death, especially like living in a country today who even has the death penalty in certain states for certain things uh, could kind of fall into that category. Right. And and if you go back and read the the verse, right, it says if you see a brother or sister commit a sin, so that may be sound specific, you go a little further down uh, and it sounds even more specific. Again, there is a sin that leads to death. You might be saying, well, maybe this is not just one of those types of sins, but maybe a particular sin, which is, I think, maybe what Paul had in mind when he was asking, is is this connected to yep. that unforgivable unforgivable sin? Um, but that being said, uh, this option we're talking about here, about it could be any sin that leads to death or is punishable by death, right? The reason why I think that can make sense is in the Greek, there is no article for the word that we use when we say a, right? Mm-hmm. So like a sin or a dog or a cat being specific or, you know, talking about a particular one. In other words, when translating, you have to decide whether or not to add an a mm. to make the sentence flow better for English grammar sake, right? So in this case, um, you could just take out the a. The a itself that's in there where it says a sin, that's not in the Greek. Mm. Now, it's a consistent translation to add the a, Yep. But it may not necessarily mean something specific because it's not actually in the Greek. So if we were to do that, 
in this verse, it would then read this way. If you see any brother or sister commit sin, instead of, you know, a sin, that does not lead to death, you should pray and God will forgive, uh, God will give them life. There is sin, you know, instead of there is a sin, there is sin that leads to death. I'm not saying that you should pray about that. All wrongdoing is sin, and there is sin that does not lead to death. Now, that last one, there is sin, the A is not in there in the English mm-hmm. anyway, uh, just like it's not in there in the Greek. So uh, I could see how with the Greek itself, this one, this first option that you mentioned, Derek, here could make sense. Yeah, so if we translate it the way you just did, which is completely consistent with the text, it could certainly be meaning sin that is punishable by physical death when we look at this. But translating it this way could also mean the second option for us, which Jackie, I'll let you get into. Yeah, now, so this is the one where, you know, I don't take a, a concrete stance here, but this is the one I lean more toward mm-hmm. uh, as far as what John might have meant. There are times when people sin in the Bible and the consequence of that sin is physical death brought on by God himself. So it would often be immediate, but not always. But it certainly could be traced back to a particular sin. And it would also be sin that leads to death, as John is referring here. So I'll give you some examples. Uh, let's start with uh, the first one in, in Numbers 16. And you find it in verses 23 through 33 in the rebellion of Korah. And so Korah was... Uh, upset that that Aaron and it was and his family were being able to perform these rituals in the temple and and serve God in that way, and so they began to rebel against God and disrespect God and um, disrespect Aaron, God's chosen man. And so God tells uh, Moses to depart from the tents of these wicked men and touch nothing that belongs to them, or you're going to be swept away with their sin. And so, well, what does God do? Uh, a little bit later in that passage. Moses then gives this scenario to the people, and he says, if these men die the death of all men, or if they suffer the fate of all men, then the Lord has not sent me. But if the Lord brings about an entirely new thing, and the ground opens up its mouth and swallows up them with all their tent and you know all these things to Sheol, then understand that these men have spurned the Lord. And guess what happens? The earth opens up, swallows them in. You might be saying, well, it was just an earthquake. That's what it was. No, because if you keep reading in verse 33, it says the earth closed over them and they perished from the midst of the assembly. So it opened up, it's op- it opened up, they fell in, and then it closed. Mm. Uh, same, same passage, verse 35, the rest of the descendants of Korah that were out there with their incense, uh, offering incense that God did not want them to offer in disrespect to God, it says that fire came forth from the Lord and consumed 250 men who were offering the incense, burn them to ashes. Yeah. So this is this is God bringing about death because of their specific sin. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that passage is so clear that it's that right. And Leviticus ten one through two about Nadab and Abihu says now Nadab and Abihu the sons of Aaron each took his censer and put fire in it and laid incense on it and offered unauthorized fire before the Lord which he had not commanded them and fire came out from before the Lord and consumed them and they died before the Lord. Ouch. Right, so disobedience, doing something not the way God commanded in their own way, led to physical death on the spot. John MacArthur did a whole conference one time just based off of this text uh, mm. called Strange Fire mm. and about this idea of worshiping God in a way that God has not directed us to worship yeah. him. Um, and that was an example that he used in that was, was Nadab and Abihu. But definitely God consumed him with fire because yeah. of that sin. I bet, I bet he had some harsh statements for some different churches in that yeah, one. Yeah, kind of, sort of. I can imagine. <laughs> 
Second Chronicles 21, 16 to 19, about King Jehoram's wicked reign as king of Judah. It says this, And the Lord stirred up against Jehoram the spirit of the Philistines and the Arabs who bordered the Ethiopians, and they came against Judah and invaded it, and carried away all the possessions found in the king's house together with his sons and his wives, so that no son was left to him except Jehoahaz, the youngest of his sons. So after all this, the Lord smote him in his bowels with an incurable sickness. Mm. Now it came about in the course of time at the end of two years that his bowels came out because of his sickness and he died in great pain and his people made no fire for him like the fire for his fathers. Tough way to go. And, <laughs> yeah. and so this was a situation where God brought about death because of this man's sin and wicked reign, but it wasn't immediate. It was, a, it was two years of agony and then death. Yeah. So it still led to physical death, but wasn't on the spot. But through the whole course, obviously God is God, knew that was going to happen. That was his plan the whole time. Yeah. The consequences of that particular sin brought straight away this infliction that led to eventual yep. death. Um, fast forward to the Newer Testament in Acts chapter five, probably the most well known of all these uh, where someone sins and then that sin God brought about their immediate death as a result is Ananias and Sapphira. So in this, uh, they supposedly sold a piece of land, brought the offering to the Lord, and said it was all the money that they had. And, mm -hmm. and this is where we pick up uh, Acts 5, starting verse 1. A man named Ananias with his wife Sapphira sold a piece of property and kept back some of the price for himself. With his wife's full knowledge and bringing a portion of it, he laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and keep back some of the price of the land? While it remained unsold, did not remain your own? And after it was sold, was it not under your control? Why is it that you have conceived this deed in your heart? You have not lied to men, but God. And as he heard these words, Ananias fell down and breathed his last, and great fear came over all who heard it. And then right after this, his wife shows up, had no idea what had happened, Peter asks her the same question. Is this what you sold the land for? She says, yeah, it was. And then, boom, she dies just like he did, and they carry her out and bury her in, in the cemetery right by the church. Imagine being Peter and, and talking to a guy, and he, he dies as you're talking to him because of the word. Like, that would that'd be crazy. And then you go do his wife right after that. Yeah. Um, yeah, so the, uh, another great example of that happening right away. Yeah. Acts 12, um, another uh Terrible way to die. 21 to 23 about King Herod Agrippa the first On an appointed day, Herod, having put on his royal apparel, took his seat on the rostrum and began delivering an address to them. The people kept crying out, the voice of a God and not a man. And immediately an angel of the Lord struck him because he did not give God the glory and he was eaten by worms and died. Mm. Another tough way to go. Yeah. Just like, just like King, uh, was it Jehoram? Or, yeah. Or, Je yep. Jehoram. Yeah. Yeah, and we talked about this earlier. The similarity between all the ones we've read so far is that these are people that are supposed to be uh, in leadership, Yeah, right? Whether it's spiritual leadership or they're kings, they're government, mm. and they commit this sort of sin. And so God, there, there's no authority over them on this earth to punish them by death. Yeah, that's a good point. So God punishes them by death mm. himself. Yeah. Um, the only other example that I'm aware of in the New Testament that isn't like this is, uh, I mean, it's it's similar in that it's sin that leads directly to death, but it's not someone necessarily in authority, yeah. is in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, um, verses 29 through 30, we're talking about the Lord's Supper. And the Apostle Paul says uh, that we are to make sure to not do it in an unworthy manner. And he says, for he who eats and drinks, eats and drinks judgment to himself, if he does not judge the body rightly, 
For this reason, many among you are weak and sick, and a number sleep. Mm-hmm. Now, that word for sleep does not mean they're taking a nap. Yeah. Right? So what Paul is saying is, and this is pretty serious, um, we, I think we talked about this in our, our uh, uh, episode about the Lord's Supper. Mm-hmm. But one of the things that Paul's saying here is that, yes, there are some of you, you have physical ailments because you are dishonoring God in your worship. You know, kind of going back to um, uh, Nadab and Abihu, mm-hmm. right? You're, you're not worshiping God in the way in which he says that you are to worship. There are parameters on this. Not only that, you're, you're disrespecting the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. And he says, because of this, not only are some of you sick and you have physical ailments, but some people have actually died because of this. Yeah. So, so it means that, that God has the consequences for that sin is that God brought them actual death. Yeah. So I think these first two options are in the same kind of category. It's, mm-hmm. it's saying that John, when, when he's saying what he said there in 1 John chapter 5, he's talking about actual physical death. Yeah. Right? So um, whether it's death uh, because the sin is punishable by death by those in authority, because it's that kind of crime, or it's physical death that God himself brought about because of the consequences of that particular sin, uh, whether you're in authority uh, and, and not doing what God has called you to do or here uh, disrespecting Christ himself. Yeah. Yeah. And that actually your point about authority, I think is a really good and interesting one and connecting point. Cause you think of when Jesus and Matthew is talking about those who mislead like little ones, right? Um, yeah. Oh, and, yeah. And yeah. false teachers, like it's better a millstone be tied around your neck and be thrown to the bottom of the sea. Like yeah. that, that is death right there. And Jesus, yes, like, it'd it be is. better <laughs> that you just die um, for the sake of not misleading more people if yeah. we just remove you from here. And so, and, and we know that even within the church later on with the, the call to pastor and, and elder, that there's this higher expectation um, for for teachers and why it's even said like, Hey, many of you should, I, I believe it's James says many of you shouldn't be teachers. Cause kind of here's, here's the expectation exactly. that comes with it. And exactly. so, um, which is what makes when we see people in authority who are wicked, God, just so much more, you know, uh, some, some righteous anger comes from that. Yeah. So, so I lean more toward this second option as being what I think John meant. Um, mm-hmm. I can definitely see the first option being what he meant. And I can definitely see this next option that you're going to talk about being what he meant as well. Yeah, and so the, the third option there is that John was talking about a specific or particular sin that leads to death. And so when we look at this, because of the language, like Jackie had said, you know, that there's no um, article for A, right? right? In the Greek. Um, but if, if we read it as if the A is in there, because that would be an appropriate translation as it well, would. Yes, it says, it could also be that this is a specific sin that someone commits, not just a sin that God deems grievous enough to bring about immediate death. If we assume this is the meaning here, then we would be thinking of a specific or particular sin. Now, the sin that's referenced could very well be the unforgivable sin of blasphemy of the Holy Spirit that we talked through in the last episode. Now, there's an excerpt from John MacArthur who you brought up earlier on this question that I thought was interesting, and I want to read it. It says this, Praying for the restoration of such people to the fellowship from which they have departed, in 1 John 2, uh, 19 that's brought about, is futile because it is impossible to renew them again to repentance since they again crucified to themselves the Son of God and put him to open shame, from Hebrews 6, 6. God did, or John did not forbid prayer for such people since it's impossible for us to know who they are. The apostle merely stated that prayer for them will not be answered. God has already made the final decision about their future. Supporting the view that God or that John is referring to unbelievers is the present tense of the participle let's see if I can get this order right, hamartanata, which means That's sinning. Correct. The Greek text literally reads, if anyone sees his brother sinning a sin, 
in, in that literal. John elsewhere in this epistle uses the present tense to describe the habitual sins that characterize unbelievers. And so, you, yeah, I'll let you go ahead and comment on that. Well, yeah, I was just going to say that, that part where he says it literally reads, if anyone sees his brother sinning a sin, I would just say it actually literally reads, if anyone sees his brother sinning sin. Yeah, 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 right. <laughs> really, Cause, hey. really, because, yeah. So you, you have this idea that because, especially through First John, you see so many uh, times that it's pointed to those who are who know Jesus cannot live in sin, and um, you know you got the devil being the father of lies. No one lives uh, like the devil, but is is a, a son of God. And so, for First John, honestly, is kind of like the some of the harsh truths about living, mm-hmm. living the truth, living the commands of God, and not living the other way. And and you see that of you know the, the fruit right revealing of of who people are. And so there is this is not the firm stance John MacArthur takes. In fact, in his commentary, he brings up the the other, the, the second option we brought up as well as either one being an option there. But I thought this was an interesting one to bring up, especially connected to what we talked about last week in that this could be an option as well. But I think the important part in there is that he said, we, he doesn't forbid prayer because we don't know who those people are. Um, this isn't, even if you were to fall under this camp, this isn't, isn't as an, or excuse me, isn't an example to go and say, oh, look, that person, um, you know, turned away from God and they're living in sin. They must not be saved anymore. And it's not even worth praying for them or trying to minister to them because they can't be saved right. because they've turned away from that. We can't know that fully. Um, but I, I think his point about, it could you know, be if, the if, blasphemy of the yeah, Holy if, Spirit. If God's or, already like knows what their heart is going to be, they've hardened their heart towards Him, and that could land here too. Right? Yeah. And I I, I read some commentaries too that said that this could be apostasy, yeah. right? As well, and and so that that makes sense. Um, and, and 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 the truth is, as we've been talking about it, and we're looking to present these three views. I read a lot of commentaries on this, and I shared a couple of them with you. But like Matthew Henry. Uh, Warren Wearsby, they land on the side more of like option two that we gave that yep. that God is bringing about this this death because of their sin. Uh, I looked at uh, the Jesus centered commentary as well as the New American Standard commentary and even John Calvin's commentaries, and they land more on where John MacArthur land mm-hmm. uh, or where the, the point that you made that John MacArthur uh, made about it being literally a specific sin, like a blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. So there's some really good reputable commentaries out there that sort of land on either side of this. Yeah. Uh, and so I think that's important to say that um, it's not with 100% clarity what exactly John meant, but these are three really good options and really the only three that could even make any sense. Yep, yep. Yeah, one of those, if you have a different option, but nobody else throughout the history of the church has come up with that option so far, <laughs> you, you may not be on the right track. <laughs> Correct. But one last thing to discuss before we summarize it all is is the big part of this passage that I know John MacArthur pointed to, we just didn't bring it up, um, but we see in the beginning of this is the prayer part of it, right? We're, we focus on the sin part and what is it yeah. saying, but this is all in the context of prayer and the, the purpose <laughs> of prayer and within the church. And yeah, so we, praying we don't want people. Yeah, yeah, praying for people. So we don't want to miss that. So we're going to bring that out a little bit. Mm-hmm. But again, with the verse, it says, if you see any brother or sister commit a sin that does not lead to death, you should pray and God will give them life. I refer to those whose sin does not lead to death. There is a sin that leads to death. I'm not saying that you should pray about that. So what is John saying, and why would he say don't pray for people to escape death if their sin leads to death? Right. There's some interesting verses that It is, yeah, and I have a couple ideas. Uh, One of them is found in the book of Jeremiah, and it's found in three places, and God actually commands Jeremiah in each of these places not to pray for the people. 
And in each of these instances, what it is is that God is bringing about their actual death mm-hmm. because of the wickedness of their sin. When He's going to bring in the invaders, the Babylonians, you know, the Persians, all these people that are going to be coming upon them, uh, He tells Jeremiah to pray. So Jeremiah seven. Uh, 13 through 16, you, you see this, and God talks about what he's going to be doing and how he's going to be bringing uh, terror and, and, and destruction to them. And he says to Jeremiah, as for you, do not pray for this people and do not lift up your cry or prayer for them and do not intercede with me for I will not hear you. Yeah. Mm. Or in Jeremiah 11, 14 through 15, God says, therefore, do not pray for this people or lift up a cry or prayer on their behalf for I will not listen when they call to me in their time of trouble. Or Jeremiah 14, 11, says, The Lord said to me, Do not pray for the welfare of this people. Though they fast, I will not hear their cry. Mm. Each of these things, um, God is explaining what he's going to do. And in, in Jeremiah 14, 11, God goes on to say exactly what he's about to do to them. He says, I will consume them by the sword, yeah, by famine, and by pestilence. In other words, I'm going to kill them yep. by the sword. I'm going to starve them to death in famine. And I'm going to bring pestilence upon them, and they're going to die from illnesses. Yeah. So that, that it's, it's very unique. It's really the only place that we see that spelled out in the Scripture. But uh, it is more like in line with that second option we talked about, about God bringing about death because of sin that led specifically to God doing this. And God is telling Jeremiah, I'm letting you know exactly what I'm doing. So don't you grieve them. Don't pray for, don't pray for me to relent because I'm not going to. Yeah. So maybe that's what John had in mind. Yeah, which is really, really interesting to consider. Psalm 66, 18 says, If I had cherished iniquity in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. So you get this kind of that same thing, right? If iniquity or sin, if if and that word cherished, like if I've been holding the sin, loving the sin in my heart, the writer of Psalms saying the Lord would not have listened to my prayer, would not yeah. have listened to what I wanted. And so you see even there a connection between living in sin, loving that sin, and God not not listening to prayers. Right. And all sin leads to death and yep. that, you know, their spiritual death and, and death is because of sin. And yeah, if we cherish that thing that brings death, God's not going to listen. That's what yep. the psalmist is saying. You're, you're right. And so that could have been what John had in mind when he said, I'm not talking about you pray about that. Um, another one is in Proverbs and, and this is in Proverbs chapter one. And, and it's where Solomon is talking about wisdom and he sort of personifies wisdom. And here even wisdom is sort of personified as Christ eventually as we get to that passage, but that's not exactly where we're getting at here. But what he says here is because I've called and you refused to listen and I stretched out my hand and no one, and you, you ignored all my counsel. So he's like, because you've done all this and I've called to you and you wouldn't listen. It then gets down to verse uh, 31 and 32. It says, because you have spurned all my reproof and you, you, you've eaten the fruit of your way, I have filled you. I, I have given you the fill of your own desires. The simple are killed by their turning away, and the complacency of fools will destroy them. So God says, "I will not. You will call me. I will not answer. You will seek me, and you will not find me. Why? Because you have rejected me. And what does that rejection lead to? Well, so again, what verse thirty-two says: they're going to be killed. Yep. The complacency of fools will destroy them. So their sin ultimately led to to death, physical death. And God says, in that case, you continually reject me over and over and over coming to you. I'm not going to listen. And so maybe that's what John had in mind. I could see any of the three there. But as you said before, uh, we don't know. Yep. And so we need to be praying that that isn't what is going on with them and that God would bring them to repentance and eternal life. Yeah, 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 for sure. And so in summary, we know that all sin leads to spiritual death. 
This is a core doctrine of Christianity. Since all of us have a sin nature, we all will endure spiritual death unless we are saved by belief in Jesus Christ. As John speaks about sins leading to death, we don't know exactly what was meant, but we are, and we're not willing to take a firm stance on an issue that the Bible doesn't take a firm stance on. With that being said, it is a fun topic to discuss and dig into because it helps us learn more about God's character and his word. Regardless of which option is the right one, which we can ask God someday himself, what's true of all of them is that we cannot know with certainty what sins fall into this category or what people would fall into this category. We must be careful not to write people off as unforgivable. So, our application from this question is a simple truth and command from the Bible in Luke 6 that says, I say to you who hear, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, and pray for those who abuse you. That concludes today's show. Thank you so much for listening, and we appreciate your support. God bless, and we'll talk to you next week. Thank you for listening to the 1717 Podcast. If you have any questions, please connect with us on Twitter or email us at 1717pod at gmail.com.